The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Na, 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 come on! heat check i mean i've been wanting to talk about this for weeks now but here we are i don't like rooting on anyone's downfall but rudy gobert's hurt again so the utah jazz are in free fall and it might reveal what's going on with the jazz we get into what's happening with julius randall and the t of new york city and why your perspective on him might be flawed uh, and then finally, we dissect the walking cheap shot that is Grayson Allen and why it is now enough is enough, folks. He hurt the goat and now he must pay. All right, Brock, so drop that beat. I'm trying to, what's it called, push and pee? I'm trying to keep it push and pee. <laughs> push and pee is not anything sex related. It's about pushing positivity, promoting positivity. I'm trying to be push and pee, but I have to, yeah, it does sound like hooker, doesn't it? Push and pee sounds like a hooker. Yeah, it uh, sounds like you're pushing your, pu- um, I cannot stand Rudy Gobert though. Like, I really want to stay positive, positive vibes only. But I hate him. As a basketball player, as close to a human that I've never met before, all of the things that he did in terms of, like, shutting down everything that I love, which is sports, like, he was the impetus of that. And so all of that to say this is painfully hard to admit I've been holding it inside. I even recorded it, and we tabled it, and we scrapped it. The Utah Jazz are lost without a man that I can't stand. They are lost without Rudy Gobert. They need Rudy Gobert not only to thrive, which I guess is what they've been doing sort of in the regular season, but they need him, they need him to survive, which – kind of contradicts everything that we Rudy Gobert haters have been saying about him. And now that Rudy is banged up a second time now, things are now dicey. It wasn't just a one-off. Things are now dicey for Danny Ainge, Dwayne Wade, and the rest of the Mormon fan base. Um, 
<laughs> so let me explain. It's not that I think Rudy Gobert is is overrated. It's just that I think he's overrated. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I know he plays defense, a certain kind of defense, at an elite level, but I also know that my man can't guard anybody on the perimeter very well. Like, I know his legs get drunk at the bar when anyone, tween, tween, and he ends up wobbly as fuck. You know what I mean? Like, small, quick lineups, he is barbecue chicken. Like the Clippers in the playoffs last year, he was exposed. He was exposed like Aaron Andrews in that peephole video, boy. He was all the way naked. And so I will admit he's worked on some things, fixing those holes in his game. He's been a lot better this year, a lot better. And so nobody, although they question his ability to, like, guard those guys on the perimeter, nobody ever says anything about Rudy's durability. Nobody ever questions his availability. Because before going to COVID protocols, he missed exactly six out of 286 Jazz games. That's ridiculous. That is 98%. Kyrie Irving could only dream of that kind of availability. It's to the point where you see Jazz and you don't even need to look at the injury report as it relates to Rudy Gobert. You just know he's playing. You just pencil him in. And if they say what they say, the best ability is availability, my man Rudy Gobert is like all NBA at that. Mm-hmm. Until now. Until now, folks. And now the Jazz are facing an unprecedented problem. So Gobert went into COVID protocols like half the league. And then while he was there, he was diagnosed with a ghost, a ghost shoulder injury. Don't know what was going on there. Nobody knew what was up with that. And then it was unclear how long he was going to be sidelined for. And then he's back. And now he's got, I think, an ankle injury. Ghost ankle he missed five games in a row. Now he's out again. And during that five-game stretch, the Jazz were one and four. And then he got back, and then they were two and three. They've won four of their last 12 games. That's a team that was a one seed last year. Ruh-ro. And while he was out, they lost all four of those games by 10 points or more including a 20-point loss to the Cleveland Cavaliers. No shade to Cleveland. As you know, I love Cleveland, but God damn it, Jazz, you can't be losing to Cleveland by two 10 points. Double. It's the point where after a terrible loss to the worst po- team in the NBA, the Detroit Pistons, as you know, they don't even try to win, but they're winning games against the Utah Jazz. Donovan Mitchell had to come out and bury his own team. He had to come out and say mean things about his squad. And he's like, we are fooling ourselves if we think we can win a chip if we play like this, having nights like tonight. That was the same night that Spider passed John Stockton as Utah Jazz all-time leader in three-pointers. But instead of basking in the sun, gloating, enjoying the accolades, enjoying all of the media attention, no, buried them. Fuck these guys. Fuck this team. We suck. We are delusional if we think we're going anywhere. We just lost the Pistons. Unloaded. And the problem is this. This is just not really only about Rudy Gobert being banged up or gone. It's about a team that's done nothing to get better since last year and the year before when they were huge disappointments. Like, why not make moves? And that's not a Rudy Gobert problem. The guy's an all-star. He's defensive player of the year. 
That's not a Donovan Mitchell problem. That guy's an all-star. That guy's putting up 28-4-5 and five the last 10 games before he went into concussion protocol. They're losing and in dramatic fashion to teams they shouldn't be losing to. And the reason why is because they can't even stop a parked car, as Bradley Beal famously once said. They can't stop anyone on de- defense. They've got Kate Busface Cunningham going in there and breaking ankles. The Utah Jazz defense problem is alarming, and it is only exacerbated by Rudy Gobert's absence. Really, that's what it is. It's like he's covering up for all the problems. Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer I had an article at the beginning of the year highlighting these problems. And the, pro- the article's called, The Jazz Don't Have a Rudy Gobert Problem, But They Do Have a Problem. And this was before Rudy Gobert went out. This is what he said. Following a blowout loss to the Warriors in which Rudy Gobert got cooked, Kevin O'Connor wrote, Guys like Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles, Bojan, Bogdanovich offer plenty on offense, but paper thin on defense. That's not what he said, but little on defense. It's not fair to put it all on Gobert or much of any of it. For that matter, Royce O'Neal is the team's best perimeter defender, but he's undersized to defend bigger wings. Everyone else offers paper mache resistance at the point of attack. So I guess he did say that. The Jazz are used to having Gobert on the back line to clean up, clean up blowbys and mistakes. When he needs to step up on the perimeter to contain someone as potent as Steph, there's nobody on the roster skilled or big enough to help in the paint. And whether Gobert is in the game or not, no one on this team is a stopper against guards and wings. The issue is perimeter defense. And when it breaks down on the perimeter, much like a football team that has problems on the defensive line, then it trickles down into the linebacking core, and then it trickles down into the secondary. Like, that's your first line of defense, folks. And the issue is now magnified tenfold when Rudy Gobert is not there to be a Band-Aid for all the mistakes that these fucking old, aging, slow, immobile wings are struggling with against these youngsters like Amadou Diallo. You think you can stop Amadou Diallo? Man, we just won the dunk contest and he was nobody. Without Rudy, the Jazz have to result into, like, gimmicky-ass defenses like the janky box and one. They play zone, like fucking John Be- Beheim, whatever. It's like, it's, like, <laughs> it's like Syracuse over here. I don't understand. Like, they're not even good enough <laughs> to play zone well. Like, the Jazz without Gobert, they don't have length. They don't have quickness. Like I said, these dudes are statues. You know what I mean? They get cooked regularly. Against Tatum, oh, you're shit. You're, you're just cooked. When Gobert was off the floor against Golden State, the Warriors had a surreal 140 rating offensively. When he was on the floor, didn't matter. Andrew Wiggins just blew by him. So what is the Jazz to do? What is the best offensive team in the NBA to do? Well, like I said, they score in bunches. They have a ton of guys that can... I mean, they shoot the most threes out of any team in the NBA, and they shoot them well. Their only real hole, like I said, perimeter defense, which, to be fair, is a pretty massive hole. Like, you need a defender that can solve your problems on the perimeter while not having to shoulder the burden and be a two-way guy. Like, you, you need a good perimeter defender who doesn't have to score. Hmm. Who 
would that be? Who could they trade for to get back one of the best on-ball defenders in the league, shoring up all of those issues that they ran into against the Clippers and the Nuggets? Like, and, and what team could use a playmaker, a scorer, a point guard, and is willing and would be willing to give up a defensive player of the year type player, hypothetically, who's really good on the perimeter? A floor general, someone who can still distribute, get Donovan Mitchell still involved. Well, to me, Mike Conley for Ben Simmons, perfect fit. Like, no one is talking about this. We're all talking about Daryl Morey trying to get James Harden. We're talking about Daryl Morey trying to go out and get De'Aaron Fox. Those are trash-ass trades. Those guys aren't point guards. This trade actually helps both sides. Philly will get someone that can compliment Embiid like you remember seeing. Mike Conley's not washed now. Don't slander his name. He is not washed. The way he played with Mark Gasol when he was a Grizzly, you do that with, with Joel Embiid? Come on now. Then you have Maxi Still with Conley being a plus defender. Like, people don't sleep on Mike Conley as a defender. He is a plus defender. And then Utah gets somebody versatile enough to play one through five defensively, allowing Donovan Mitchell to move without the ball. He doesn't have to bring the ball up. Ben can bring it up in transition. Get Donovan involved. Yak, yak, yak. Dunking on people. You add Jordan Clarkson to the lineup. Probably add him to the starting lineup for more three-point shooting. You can put take Joe Ingles, take his ass, put him on the bench. He doesn't need to be starting whatsoever. You put Royce O'Neal on different positions for his defensive flexibility. And all of a sudden, Royce O'Neal can play against smaller guys because he's not going to play against huge, tall guys on the perimeter. He can't play against fours. And then Ben Simmons kind of fix all of those issues that you have. And there's urgency for me to fix that. If I'm the Utah Jazz, it's like Donovan Mitchell might be out like trout if you don't do something. Right. Listen, considering the rumor, it, Donovan Mitchell is pissed about all-star voting. He's grumbling about the market size. It's Utah. Like I said before, I interviewed Nate Robinson. I asked him, what's the number one worst place to play? And he goes, Utah, trash Utah. That was the first thing. Didn't even have to hesitate. Donovan Mitchell knows Utah's trash. Everyone knows Utah's trash. Fan base is trash. Arena is trash. Salt Lake City's pretty trash. And then you combine that with the scathing remarks about the team itself. Like, we are not winning a title. I do not know what I'm doing here. The Jazz, I basically, I do. What are we doing here? The Jazz cannot afford to lose in the first round again, boy. I tell you what, they made it to the second round last year, but that was because they ran up against a Memphis Grizzly team that was just a year there early. They run into the fucking Grizzlies again? I tell you what now, it is night-night sleep mask. So why is this trade never going to happen? Because you've got two of the biggest egos in the entire NBA that want to win every trade. They don't just want to, like, slightly win the trade. They want to dominate the trade. They want to put you in shibari ropes and choke you out. Like, that's what they want to do in these trades. Can you imagine these dudes trying to negotiate with each other? My Lord. It would be impossible. They're both going to want four, four first-round picks. You give me four first-round picks for Mike Conley. No, you give me four first-round picks for Ben Simmons. And I want Mike Conley. Well, I want Ben Simmons, four first-round picks, and Tyrese Maxey. It's like, dude, you guys just make the swap. 
Like, no trades, nothing. Just Conley for Simmons, boom. Easy peasy. Japanesey. But that's not what's going to happen. And it's just like two selfish people trying to have sex with one another, trying to push the other one's head down. Lights, what you'll see, both of them trying to like bobble. And it'll be ugly, it'll be unproductive and frustrating for both sides and frustrating for NBA fans and NBA front offices around the league. So they need to do something though. Jazz need to do something fast because it doesn't look like Rudy Gobert is coming back any time soon. And with two injuries under his belt, who the fuck knows? You think I'm pretend Who will make you feel like cheating? I'm like, no, not really Cause, oh, I think that I found myself a cheerleader She is always right there when I need her Oh, I think that I found myself a cheerleader She is always right there Don't worry, Julius Randle I will be your cheerleader I will tell the world why they shouldn't expect you to be J. Cole because you're actually the artist that I don't even know his name. I only know this one hit that he made. Don't worry, Julius. I will protect you. Lot of people right now mad at Julius Randle. Mad, like really, really mad. Why are they mad? That's what I was trying to think all morning. I was thinking, why are they so, so aggressively mad at Julius Randle? Well, he had the audacity audacity to play better than anyone expected him to play enough to win most improved player runaway with that award the darling of the NBA last year a million articles about how he improved how that was taking the Knicks to an ascension unparalleled and as as a result the Knicks ended up being better than anyone expected number four in the East had home court advantage and then they flamed out and then the storybook guy ended up getting paid, and instead of improving, <laughs> he regressed. And as a result, the Knicks have regressed to a place worse than they were two years ago. And that's where he was, even worse than he was two years ago. And the team has, you know, consistently floundered as a result. But who cares, really? Like, honestly, Julius Randle is like the NBA's version of Millie Vanilli. Like, he is that. One-hit wonder. One-year wonder. He's like Nick Batum. Nick Batum was always very good in his contract years, and as soon as he got paid, he went back to good old Nick Batum we were used to, right? He was like the guy, like this guy, the cheerleader guy. You know, you've seen him one time, you know the song, like you remember the summer. And you don't know what his name is, really. You've never heard another song from him since. He's like the guy, like, teach me how to Dougie. Teach me, teach me how to Doug me. When jo- John Wall, that's like you remind yourself, like that was when John Wall was in his prime. All my bitches love me. All my, all my bitches love me. Never came out with a good song again after that. And we, as a world, like, he got a deal, though. Like, right. J- Julius Reynolds got a big long-term max deal from the Knicks. Like, he was about to be J. Cole. And he's not Jay, and people are very mad. He is not J. Cole. And he's closer to, what's that guy's name again? Omi? Om, oh my, Omi, oh the cheerleader guy. Yeah. The teach me how to Dougie guy. Teach me how to cheerleader. Teach me how to cheerleader. You can't be mad at the Millie Vanillies in the NBA for not becoming J. Cole. Right. You can't be mad at that. That's why you do due diligence, right? 
how bad has Julius Randle regressed? That's the question. That's it's a lot. Let me listen. After getting his money, the only time we see last year's version of Julius Randle are when the lights are bright and the gyms are packed and we got Kenny, the Jet Smith, and Chuck and Shaq on the broadcast. We've got the ESPN countdown crew. We got Stephen A. and Will Bond talking about the game. That shit's hilarious to me. <laughs> like, good for Julius. I'm your cheerleader, Julius. Like, don't let them shame you for only playing when it's prime time. Julius Randle is like that restaurant with the dirty-ass kitchen, with the roaches and the rats and the cooks that don't wear the hairnet, that only clean shit up when they know the health inspector's coming to town. Like, that's him, right? He's like the guy who doesn't do shit at the office. He just stands by the water cooler until he finds out the regional manager is coming in, and then all of a sudden, he's selling a million copiers, right? He's like, becomes the guy. How disparate is Julius Randle's performance in primetime versus not primetime? Well, in Julius's 12 games, last 12 games, he's averaging 16, 11, and 5. In nationally, and as, as it relates to last year, he averaged 24, 10, and 6 an entire season, right? Like, pretty bad regression. But in nine nationally televised games this year, he's... 25, 11, and 5. Wow. And the Knicks are 7 and 2. Not a shocker. When he balls out, the Knicks win. And it's not that he's not playing just not very well. It's like the Knicks aren't playing well, and now the mob is coming for him. Like everyone, I, I watched NBA today. And all it was was about Julius Randle not performing up to expectations and Knicks fans being mad. Eight times a season, Julius Randle has had 10 or less points in a game. And it's not that. It's that he makes that much money and he's averaging 10 or less points per game eight times a season. Last year, entire across the entire season, he had one game under 10 points. One game. This year, he's played nearly 34 minutes against the Spurs and scored two points. Two points! He played 30 minutes against the Pelicans, scored four points. He was out there 26 minutes against the Pistons and scored five points. Sometimes you just got to load manage. You know, you'd be out on the floor and you just load manage yourself. <laughs> Might I rem remind you, those are three out of the worst, six, six worst teams in the NBA. And the last, that's just the last 10 games he's played in, folks. That's not across the full season. After a bad start, Juju is actually getting worse. The most damning stat, he has not led the Knicks in scoring in one game since Christmas Day. Wow. He's supposed to be the focal point of the Knicks offense, and he cannot score. Jesus Christ, what in the name of John Starks has come over Julius Randle? It's a Tale as old as time. It's called money. Tale as old as time. Not everyone is built like Kobe. Listen, there's only a handful of players in the league that really, really, really care about consistently improving. Not taking any nights off. Not taking any reps off. Not taking their mind away from the game at all. Julius Randle has a baby and a wife. I do not think he is tripping if he scores two points against the Spurs. I do not think he cares. Against the Pelicans a week ago, 
that got flexed out of a national TV game because both teams are so awful. He was booed at the Garden. They booed him hard and long. He shot one for nine and got benched by Tibbs. Got benched. And then Mark Berman from the Post said it best. Julius Randle was unable to do a thing against smaller wings assigned to him to defend him and was booed most vociferously. Randall took out his anger against... I just didn't expect so many syllables from Mark Berman. Took, Randall took out the anger on the referees, picking up a technical foul after the first half had ended, then snapping at uh, teammate Evan Fournier, who tried to settle him down. I love that. In what has become a regular situation... My man Julius Randle says, fuck the media. I am not answering any questions about my poor performance. You gave me my money. I'm playing how I'm playing, and I will not be taking any questions at this time. He has gone over 10 games without addressing reporters. My guy. Before talking after the Knicks broke their losing streak against the Clippers. So he was like, none of the losses. I will be talking. Snap the losing streak. All right, I'm good. The Knicks were fined 25 Gs for violating league rules governing media access by, quote, refusing to make Julius Randle available to the press. <laughs> How contentious have things gotten? Pretty contentious. Julius Randle was in hot water a couple of weeks ago when he got so pissed that he gave the Madison Square Garden fans thumbs down and then told them to shut the fuck up. Oh, Julius, Julius, just take your money. Don't say anything. And then later, like an abusive boyfriend, uh, Julius Randle got on IG and gave a lengthy apology. Like when he comes in uh, from work with like a bouquet of flowers after he just told his girlfriend something fierce. This is what he said. I love New York City and being a part of this team and this franchise. And like most Knicks fans, I am really passionate about us being successful pause and that's a lie like that's that is a lie and it's an example of how sometimes you say things you regret to people you love that's why I think it's like abusive boyfriend syndrome right there that last line it's an example of somehow you say things you regret to people you love and even before telling Knicks fans to go fuck themselves he said I really don't give a fuck what anybody has to say to be honest I'm out there playing Nobody knows the game out there better than I do compared to what everybody has to say. So I don't really give a shit. I just go out there and play. God bless Julius Randle. You got your pay. Was it five years? Five-year deal? Yep, four years, $117 million. Imagine for, your, for yourself right now being 20-something years old, young, attractive, got a baby, and you just got given $120 million guaranteed. What if you wake up sore on a Tuesday? Listen, that's the way it goes, folks. This sounds like a man who does not care. This sounds like a man who is telling fans to fuck themselves and is getting a little tingly and a little aggressive and a little salty because he's playing in a market where they have High expectations. Expectations of him, expectations of the Knicks, expectations because he just got paid all that money. Implicit promises made, implicit promises not delivered. Mm -hmm. And fans, front offices, of course, they 
don't want to pay a player $120 million only for them to go into a scoring hole unless they're on national TV. Of course they don't want that. Of course you don't sign up for that. You don't pay someone to be in the same place or in a worse place than they were before you paid him. The whole expectation is growth. That's what you want. You don't want to flame out in the first round of the Atlanta Hawks, like getting embarrassed in front of your home crowd. Regression always makes employers mad. Always. Again, that's not his problem. Like, that's not his problem. You paid the man, and you get what you get. That's the whole thing about guaranteed contracts, folks. Just because someone has gotten paid, it is not fair for us to believe that they are going to surpass what they've done in prior years. Or even play at that level. Because maybe he's Millie Vanilli. Maybe it was the one year that he has in him to be great. You bought yourself a sports car, and you have one. That is Julius Randle. He is 100% a sports car. But you believed in your mind he was a Ferrari. Instead, you got yourself a Camaro. He is a Camaro, very fast, very muscly, but he has no Ferrari. And everybody's mad because they're like, where's my fucking Ferrari at? I bought a Ferrari. And he's like, I did not say I was a Ferrari. You assumed I was a Ferrari. Listen, I am what I am. Two years ago, or when I, what is it, 2017, 2018? Julius Randle averaged 16, 8, and 3. That was his last year as a Laker when they traded his ass. In his last 12 games, I might remember and might remind you again, he is averaging 16, 11, and 5. Very similar stats to those Laker years. So maybe, maybe, just maybe, that is Julius Randle. Maybe that year that we had last year, maybe that was an anomaly, and this is now the norm. I don't know. I don't know what to do. And, like, do I feel bad for Knicks fans? No. Do I feel bad for James Dolan? Hell no. Fans think he makes too much money? But guess what? That's on the ownership. They were supposed to do their due diligence. They were supposed to look into that. That's not on Julius Randle. Just like when you trade for a player who makes too much money, not on the player. Agents, ownership, they do the deals. The Knicks thought that Julius Randle was J. Cole. Julius Randle is Cali Swag District. Someone you've never heard of, but you remember his song, Teach Me How to Dougie. Like, that's him. Unlike everyone else, I do not feel bad that Julius Randle is out here getting max money and out here playing like trash when he's not on national television. I do not care. I am happy for Julius Randle. Get your money, boy. Get your money. Because James Dolan is a terrible person, and he has finessed his way into all kinds of things, and he has done all sort of shenanigans that have taken the Knicks into a bad place. And, like, as far as the Knicks go, you probably shouldn't have signed Evan Fournier. That's a bigger deal. You shouldn't have signed Kemba Walker. Another big deal. Losing D. Rose for most of the year, also big deal. Listen, so people who are going to continue to give Julius Randle shit, just know... If you got yourself $120 million, what would you do? Would you consistently try to ascend and improve despite how you're feeling emotionally, mentally, et cetera, et cetera? No. He has earned that money. He got that money. And whatever happens is whatever happens. If he was playing on my team, maybe I'd feel a little differently. But that's, the, that's tribalism for you. Like, the truth of the matter is, 
This is the definition of capitalism. This is where we're at. He balled out for an entire year, and these are the unintended consequences of those actions that the ownership has made. It was a hot girl summer, and now he's back to being what he was before. Unless he's on national television, of course. Julius Randle on TNT, Julius Randle on ESPN is baby LeBron. So I know you might not think this is the story. You might think that Julius Randle deserves to be booed, and he's trash, and whatever. But it was a fun little six-month run. We got a pandemic, full, long story about how great he is and how the Knicks were ascending, which they were never were. And he's going to continue to ball out, at least on nationally televised games. And the rest of the time... Back home smoking legal. I got more slaps than the Beatles. Foreign shit running on diesel, dog. Playing with my name, that shit is lethal, dog. Who you see? What? Don Corleone. Trust me, at the top, it isn't lonely. Grayson saw him last night, but did it broad day. He killed a man in broad daylight. Grayson Allen. And I have questions. How do you stop Grayson Allen, a noted menace, from being Grayson Allen? Like, he has been a menace. We all know he's a menace. He's been a menace his entire career, even at Duke. He even chuckles about it, being a villain. Like, there are Grayson Allen compilations that you can find on YouTube of just dirty plays. That's it. Like, that's the entire compilation is just him tripping and kicking you in nuts and, like, literally karate chopping people. We knew that. We've accepted that. That's a part of Grayson Allen's quote-unquote charm. Uh, and now, until now, he has taken out one of the most beloved players in the league. My man has gone a step too far. He took out the GOAT, a.k.a. the janitor, a.k.a. Caruso. And I am now thinking that is, like, no one's going to believe him. Never, no, no one's ever going to forgive him. Here is what's going, what happened. The Bucks and the Bulls were playing a tight game when Alex Crusoe went up for a layup. It was like an explosive layup, we'll say. Not just like an everyday layup. It was a, an elevated layup. And Grayson Allen grabbed him out of the air, spun him down, and DDT'd him onto the ground. Like, let, and, then, and then Grayson Allen had to figure out a way to contort his body to not kill himself because he was, I don't know, four feet up in the air and just got karate chopped to not hit his head onto the hardwood so he lands on his wrist to try to break his fall. World-class cheap shot. Everyone knew it. It was completely unnecessary. Grayson Allen, after they looked at the tape, ended up with a flagrant two, got tossed. Crusoe was down for a couple minutes, ended up going back into the game, said some things after, like, hope, hope nothing's wrong, like, it was a cheap play, hope nothing seriously wrong, don't think that there is anything seriously wrong, but no. Turns out, Alex Crusoe has now fractured his wrist from that play. Yep. He was out there deflecting passes, guarding, blocking Giannis shots, playing lockdown D, even with a fractured wrist, as an aside. Turns out, he needs surgery. He's out six to eight weeks after just coming back from another injury. He's been gone. Alex Crusoe has been out of the lineup for a long time now, and this is now another serious blow to a team that is 
desperate for any bit of depth, and they're not the same without him on the court. With Levine, Lonzo, Crusoe all missing significant time, it is a rough-ass month in Chicagoland, and it's going to continue to be a rough-ass time. So back to Grayson Allen, though. Everyone who saw the play in real time knew it was Grayson being Grayson. Just one of the world-class cheap artists in basketball. Like, he is a cheap shot encapsulated into a human being. Like, that's he's a guy who's a cheap shot even by Duke's standards, right? right? Which is just, that says a, a lot, considering all of the other cheap shot players that they've had play for them. And, of course, nobody after the game was more pissed than Billy Donovan. Grayson Allen could have ruined and ended Alex Caruso's career. It was really, really bad. Really bad, he says. For Alex to be in the air and for him to take him down like that, he could have ended Alex Caruso's career. He has a history of this. It was really dangerous. Yeah, tell him. Tell him what you think, Billy. Tell him. And Patrick Williams also got hurt on a hard foul. But as Donovan noted in his postgame, that was an actual basketball play by Mitchell Robinson. This... This was bullshit. This was unnecessary. This was, as Alex Crusoe would say, dude, just grab me out of the air. Kind of bullshit. <laughs> Which, to be honest, is pretty much a perfect summation of Grayson Allen as a player and as a person. Mm, kind of bullshit. Like, kind of a bullshit player. And it's not that Grayson Allen is out here actively trying to hurt people. I'm not going to say that, and I don't think that's what's happening. It's just that he doesn't give a shit if he does. Like, and that's the problem, is that there are certain players who not only have no regard, they're thoughtless, they're reckless, but they're remorseless. Somebody ends up going down for a significant period of time, Grayson Allen gives zero fucks. And that is what is an important distinction to make in a league where the vast majority of people will go out of their way to take a fellow player a brother in this 450-person fraternity, if you will, out of danger. If you are Grayson Allen and you have a hard foul, you then it behooves you to then make sure you catch his fall. It is up to you to make sure you don't hurt him because you are the one who incited all of that. And that's why despite the fact that these guys regularly jump into the rafters, you regularly see undercuts, cheap shot elbows, They are so uncommon that when they do happen, the internet is set ablaze. But cheap shots like Grayson Allen did? I mean, they only happen like one or two times a year. So there's lots of talk whether the Bulls are going to seek retribution on March 4th when the two teams meet again. I'm guessing that they do. Billy Donovan addressed the idea that the Bulls would try to get back at Grayson Allen. And he says this, quote, I'm not a real big believer in that stuff. Pause. And that's a lie. And that is a lie. Billy Donovan is going to go full Sean Payton and fully, fully seek retribution. I'm just going to put this out there. I played basketball my whole life. And I know that there's a code of ethics in hoops. And a cheap shot like this that actually endangers one of the most beloved players in the entire NBA, which that means something too, 100% payback is coming. May not come from the Bulls, but it's coming. At some point, someplace, 
in broad day at nighttime, Grayson Allen is going to catch an elbow or a knee or going to get pulled out of the air and body slam DDT by some Undertaker move. And this is not fucking college. This is not Duke anymore. These are grown men. You know who loves himself some Alex Crusoe? Loves Alex Crusoe. One of the biggest, strongest, fastest goats of all time. LeBron James. Like, if LeBron James sees Grayson Allen coming, this one's for a Caruso. Be Stu. This is a man's league. And Grayson Allen looks still like that little kid at Duke. He was not, could not even be bothered to check on Caruso after the game either. That's how you know he doesn't give a fuck. People notice that. They ask Caruso, hey, did Grayson uh, see if you were okay after the game? Alex Caruso quite plainly said it. Nope, he did not. There are a lot of guys who will take notice of that. And I bet you that there are players that are so beloved that if this happens, that the NBA will look away and pretend it never happened. God forbid something terrible happens to Grayson Allen in the heat of battle, right? So sending out thoughts and prayers to Grayson. (laughs) Thoughts and prayers to my man Grayson Allen, who will reap what he sows. But more importantly, to the Chicago Bulls and to the GOAT, Alex Caruso who is so damn fun to watch. But I promise you, boy, Grayson, what goes around comes around, and eventually every little cheap-shot farmer will reap what they sow. That is all the time that we have for the Heat Check. We will be back Wednesday morning, early squirrely, with a new episode. Do not forget to download, subscribe, tell all your friends, every damn one of them. And follow us on social at this heat check and at Trista Crick on TikTok. She said, Oh, you rich, 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 rich. Bitch, I graduated, call me Big Fish. Uh.